0: You're listening to the Trinity Podcast. We are a multi-site church in the Chicago area whose mission is to help you look, live, and love more like Jesus. Well, good morning, Trinity. Good morning. It's so great to be with all of you this morning. Uh, My name is Roy. If I haven't been able to meet you yet, and I get to serve as a site pastor here at Trinity Church Green Trails. Thank you to everybody who is worshiping with us online as well. And what an exciting uh, Sunday it is. So many uh, celebrations going on. I know we have Fall Fest uh, that we're all excited for. And I feel like it's a a great celebration uh, for the kiddos in our church um, and in our our community. Uh, Later, after the 11 o'clock service, uh, Theodore Hoyt is getting baptized. And so if we could just show that family some love, I think they're in the room. So just a great celebration for our kiddos uh, this morning. Um, we're continuing on this series that we are calling Exodus, uh, the the Gospel According to Moses. And you'll remember that last week, um, our senior pastor, Nick, he did such an incredible job for us, um, getting us through chapters 5 through 13, right? And, and that entire section of scripture is called the Plague Narratives. And, and in this, you'll remember uh, that he asked the question for us, who is the Lord? And through his teaching, he uncovered um, two things for us um, in this narrative that we looked at. We saw that the Lord is the natural judge, and he's the saving judge. As the natural judge, we learned that it is our God alone that holds all things together. And we saw that ours is the God of light, and our God of light overtakes The darkness. And and as you and I, as we live in and as we live out this light of God, as the people of God, we love instead of hate. We forgive instead of resent, right? And we get to live in this weightless freedom of His love and salvation. And we get to give that away. Second, we saw that as the saving judge, uh, we saw that ours is the God of the Passover, right? How, how just as in Exodus, it was the blood of the Lamb that was uh, spilled over the doors of the people of God to save them. We saw that in a, a similar way, the blood of the Lamb Jesus purifies us and saves us. The blood of Jesus. It, it makes us able to be able to stand with our brother and Lord Jesus the Son at the throne of the Father. If you missed last week's message, you're, you're going to want to go back uh, and check it out. It, it resides on our website at tlc4u.org. It was such a powerful message. I hope that you go back and take a listen. Today, we're going to be hanging out in Exodus chapter 14. Uh, we titled today's message, The Great Escape. This is the story of the parting of the Red Sea. And so, if you'd like to turn to Exodus 14 right now, as you do, I'm going to go ahead and open up our time in prayer. God, thank you for your goodness. God, thank you that you love us so much. Lord, thank you that you are the same God, the same yesterday, today, and forever, and your rescue never ends. God, I pray that we would live in that freedom, that we would believe in that freedom. God, would you prepare our heart, soul, and mind to receive from you? Lord, I pray that you would forgive me of my sins, because you know, God, that they are many. But God, thank you that you are faithful and you are just to forgive us of our sins every time we come to your throne of grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So the great escape, the parting of the Red Sea. And as I kind of think of that image of the parting of the Red Sea, uh, it reminds me of that scene in Moana when baby Moana would walk up to the water and then the the water would kind of dissipate around us. You know, as as parents with with small kids, do you remember the time when we adults used to only watch shows like, I don't know, Game of Thrones or Suits or Succession? Uh, And of course, not me, right? Because I'm a pastor. So I was like watching uh, The Chosen. I, I think that's what it's called, right? But then that that cute little bundle of offspring comes into our life, and all we do is watch Baby Shark and Coco Melon. I I think Coco Melon might be crack for babies. I I know that there are some folks who think that Coco Melon's the devil, and then there are other parents who swear by it. Jackie and I, we belong in the latter camp because Vera and Lively, I'm telling you, they would be having an all out. Meltdown, and I, I kid you not. The second that coco melon sound uh, would start playing, they would just get in a daze, like they'd be in a trance. And and then there just there would be peace in our house. There would be peace for mom and dad and for our kids. You see, as a parent, don't we kind of go through these phases in life? Where we kind of let our kids get into secure danger. Do you, do you know what I mean by that? Like they take their first steps, and we're like, oh, you know, we're kind of hovering over them, making sure that they don't, fall you know, if they fall, they don't get hurt. And then uh, when they're learning how to how to ride their bike, and then we take the training wheels off, and and we're running, you know, b- uh, beside the bike, just making sure that they don't fall, as they're kind of wiggly. And if you're like me, it's as if they're almost wearing uh, like an airbag around them. And I don't know, am I projecting like please tell me this is a normal thing that that, you know we just kinda hover over our kids like that and and later on they wanna start to drive and so you gotta let them get behind the wheel and I'm almost there with our teenager and they go and then later on you gotta you gotta let them go through their first heartbreak. And of course, you know, because you and I as adults, we're much older and we're much wiser. Sometimes we know how to stop the heartbreak. Sometimes we know how to mitigate the fall, but we got to let them live, right? Like we got to let our kids live. We've learned that helicopter parenting, it's not super helpful. So then when they do fall, when they do fail, when they do get hurt, whether they get hurt emotionally or, or physically, a good mom, a good dad, a good parent, man, are we not right there ready to wipe their tears and mend their wounds and help them rehabilitate and get back up? That's what we do. A parent's love is always activated, right? And like even though we want to protect them from the pains of this world and stop them from even coming into their lives, in light of this, Jesus would beg the question to us in Matthew chapter 7 verse 11. He would say, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? See, he's, he's asking us, if you mere mortal. If you love your child that much, how much more then does our heavenly father love his children? I mean, he's asking us who else is there before there is a there and during the there and after there. If you love your child that much, how much more does our father in heaven love us? See, our God loves us so much. He's loved us since before the beginning of time. He's loved us deeper. And Exodus shows us this time and time again how much our heavenly Father loves his children. Here in Exodus chapter 14, today we're going to see how the Lord our God rescues his people. And through this chapter, We're going to see three things together uh, this morning. We're going to see what we need rescue from, how we can escape it, and who gets the glory. We're going to see what we need rescue from, how we can escape it, and who gets the glory. And and so what do we need rescue from? You see, the human condition, it's such an interesting thing because part of our human survival— is that we have this uncanny ability to be able to adapt to whatever situation we find ourselves in. Wherever we find ourselves, we have this ability just to adapt. I mean, just think about the horrible atrocities that are going on around the world, like in Israel and in Ukraine. How they could go from one day having just a normal every day, and then it ending where they now live in a war-torn country. I mean, Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy, right? Humans, we have this ability to adapt. I have these really great friends of mine. Uh, they had been waiting to adopt uh, their child for, for two years. They were on the waiting list, and, and they, uh, they were starting to lose hope. They were wondering if they were ever going to be chosen. And then one day, they get a phone call from the adoption agency, and on the other line, they say, hey, uh, are, you, are you still wanting to adopt? And they're like, uh, yeah, we've been waiting for you. Um, and they said, okay, well, your twins were just born 30 minutes ago. Can you be up here at the hospital to get your kids in the next hour, to meet your kids in the next hour? Y'all, it was midday when they got this phone call. It was just them two, husband and wife and their dog, and then they became parents of twins. Y'all, we adapt. We adapt. You see, the Israelites, for over 400 years, they adapted to being slaves in Egypt. And then finally, when they leave their slavery, when they finally go on and the Lord saves them, they want to go back. And we're going to see what that looks like. See, in verse, uh, in verse 10 of chapter 14, we see that Pharaoh, he's coming after the Israelites. And, and the Israelites, they start to really freak out. So when they left, you know, of course, Pharaoh was like, hey, I want my slaves back. Like, who else is going to do my laundry? And so he, he calls the army to go back and get his slaves. And in verse 10, they start to kind of freak out. And then in verse 11, here's what the Israelites tell Moses. They they ask him, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone and let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die here in the desert. Y'all, for over 400 years, the Israelites wouldn't leave God alone. They would be crying to him to rescue them, to free them from the Egyptians, and then when God does it in this miraculous way that we looked at last week, when he finally frees them, they're like, whoa, here comes the Egyptian army. Uh, We're ready to go back. Where's the white flag? Let's go ahead and wave it, Pharaoh. We were just kidding. We'll come back. Moses, you can either come or don't come, but yeah, we're all going back, and praise God for the strength of Moses, because then he shouts to the people in verse 13. He says, don't be afraid, but stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see them again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. I mean, he's talking thousands of people off the ledge here, right? Because the Israelites, they wanted to go back. They wanted to go back away from the promises of God. They wanted to go back to their slavery. And so what do we need rescue from? Just like the Israelites here, we need rescue from the weight of our enslavement, right? We need rescue from serving all of these human standards and all of these different status quos that we've created for ourselves. We even need rescue from ourselves sometimes, right? Right? We need rescue from serving anything other than God. Because anything other than God, all that does is it breeds things like destruction and malice and hatred and death. Serving anything other than God leads to death because God is the God of life. And so we need rescue from serving anything other than God, but how do we escape it, right? Like, how do we escape this enslavement that's all around us? How do we escape the pressures of this world that's so easily weigh us down. I mean, a lot of times that weight of the world, it's our jobs and it's school and it's a lot of other things, but but you can't just quit your job, right? Like you got to feed your family. Isn't it your boss who does your performance review, right, and determines if you get that raise or if you get that promotion or if you're going to be able to keep your job? There's a lot of weighted pressure on that. There's a lot of power in that for them. A lot of times we could be a slave to our education and in school. Isn't it our teachers and our professors that determine that if in their view you did well enough on that essay. A lot of times we're even a slave to our own self-image and even our health. And so we go to the gym or even in fitness, especially with social media, we're constantly comparing ourselves to the next person. And so how do we escape all of these pressures of the world? You see, our Father in heaven He never intended for us to worry ourselves with the things of this world. That's why why God in the scriptures would constantly implore us to focus on things above, not on the things of this world. You see, our God, he's constantly pointing us uh, forward and upward and out. He's never calling us and piercing us back into the world. He's always focusing us upward and out to the least of these. But here we are. Here we are. And so, how do we escape all the pressures of this world? Hint, the, the answer isn't the rapture here in this moment. Um, you can invite me out for coffee and we can talk about that notion, but that's not the answer here in this particular moment. So how do we escape it then if we, can't get, if we can't just get zapped up into the sky and escape this world? Well, we escape the enslavement of the world by the saving work of God. You see, it's God alone who does this act of salvation And it's on our behalf, but most importantly, it's for his glory. It's for his glory. Our God is the one who's doing the saving act. And this is masterfully shown here in Exodus chapter 14. In verse 14, listen to what uh, it says here. It says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. You need only to be still. Still, I mean, it's the Lord who's doing the saving. And I I wish I had time for us to really just unpack every single verse and maybe even every word in this chapter because it's so rich. I'm just going to paraphrase it and recite it here, reference it for us in just a moment. But but here's how God alone does the saving work for the Israelites. See, uh, in verse 19, it tells us that the angel of the Lord The angel of the Lord traveled in front of the Israelites, leaders to the front, right? So he's guiding Israel's army. He's guiding his own army. And at the moment that they knew that Pharaoh's army was coming in hot, y'all, they were coming in hot. They were like speedy gonzales their way into where the Israelites were at. In verse 19, when this starts to happen, the scriptures tell us that the angel of the Lord withdrew and went behind them. You see, the God of salvation He's now protecting the Israelites from the Egyptian army all through the night, and he's doing it from the back. Many of the Israelites, no doubt, they're terrified, right? They're terrified. And and do you see what's happening here in the— do you see how God is revealing his nature to us here, how he's for us? Like, what is it that you're afraid of? Are you afraid of your future? Are you afraid of your past? Or or are you afraid even of your present or all the above? Are, Are you a slave to your future? Are you a slave to your past? Are you a slave to your present? You see, the God of salvation, he positions himself wherever that fear is. Wherever that fear is, he positions us. He positions himself. See, the the Israelites, they were first fearful of where to go and, and how to get there, right? And so God positioned himself. He positioned the angel to the front to lead and to guide them. And then the Israelites were fearful of the Egyptian army coming after them from behind. And so then God positions the angel behind them. You see, the Lord of salvation positions himself wherever that fear is, and he rescues you from that fear. And by the way, if that fear is coming in from all sides, check out what happens here. See, we know that the the people of God, right, they pass through the Red Sea, it separates, spoiler alert. That's what happened. And, And all of God's people, they go through, right? And they make it on to the other side. Well, in verse 23, It reads, the Egyptians pursued them and all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. We see that the enslavers, the the fear of the Israelites, the army was coming for them from all sides. And the fear gets swallowed up by the power of God. That fear gets swallowed up by God's power do you ever feel like you're like you're being attacked like with fear and worry about the past or your present or your future one or all see the God of salvation is the God of rescue and just like he swallowed up the fear then he's swallowing up our fears now and he's doing it for you and most importantly for his glory And so who gets the glory? Yahweh. The Lord our God gets the glory. It's God who's doing the saving, and so it's God who's getting the glory. In verses 4 and then again in 17 and 18, uh, you'll see that God keeps saying, I will get glory over Pharaoh. He says it again. He says, I will get glory over Pharaoh and if you're just kind of reading it at first take, like like we did in the beginning, I'm, I'm, at first look I was like, God, news flash, um, you're God. And so you already have glory over Pharaoh because you're God and he's not. And so for me, at first glance, it didn't really kind of make sense. But then when we got to study this text, all the teaching pastors, we got to study it with Nick so that we can make sure that we're all uh, able to share the same message across all of our sites. Even when we do this live uh, together, Uh, he showed us, Nick showed us that, that the Hebrew word for glory is kavath. And Kavath means to make heavy and to make weighty. And so, what God is saying here, He's saying, I will become heavy over Pharaoh. I'll become heavy over Pharaoh. It's no doubt that the weight of Pharaoh over the Israelites was heavy, right? See, Pharaoh had glory. He had kavath over the Israelites, which is why they were interested in going back. They had already known the weight. They had experienced it before. They knew what it was like, and so they were like, well, we're going to go back now. But God now says, I will become heavier over Pharaoh for the salvation of my people. Listen, our God is always heavier than whatever it is that's weighing us down. Our God is always heavier than whatever is weighing his children down. And so what is it that weighs you down? What is it that keeps you up at night? Is it your kids? Is it your health? Is it your work? Is it the the number in the bank account? What keeps you up? And what what is getting kavath over you? What is getting glory over you? You see, our God is powerful enough to weigh down whatever has weight over you. Friends, all we gotta do is just let the weighted glory of God overtake whatever it is that's weighing us down. Whatever it is. The beautiful juxtaposition of God is that the weight of His glory is also the gift of weightlessness. Do you see that? The weight of His glory is also the gift of weightlessness. Wow. For he comes in and he consumes whatever it is that's weighing us down so that we could bask in his glory, so that we can bask in his weightless glory. Friends, this parting of the Red Sea, this great escape, yeah, it really did happen. Yeah, God really did part the Red Sea. God really did rescue his people from from their oppressors. And guess what? He's still doing it. Today. He's still doing it today. Friends, listen here how the Israelites reacted um, when they get to the other side and they look back, and the water has become what it's supposed to look like. As they look back, listen to their response here um, as they look out and see this mighty work of God. It says in verse 31 When the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord. And they put trust in him and in Moses, his servant. It says that the people looked back in awe and they feared God. Our pastor Nick has this incredible quote that he shared with us while we were studying together. He said, the fear of the Lord drives out all fears. I mean, that really resonated with me. I wonder if it does for you as well. The fear of the Lord, it drives out all fears. I mean, only our God, only our God where we can fear him and that fear is what drives out all fears. You know, it's really interesting because in the Hebrew, uh, the word for fear is Y-A-R-E. You want to know what that sounds like in Hebrew? It's yare. And what does that sound like? It sounds like Yahweh, right? That's incredible. And and so when the first listeners, they would be hearing about this story of of, of the the parting of the Red Sea, as they were kind of sharing it out as was custom back then, this was an oral tradition, they would have heard in their original tongue that the people Yahweh, the Yahweh, Y'all, the fear of the Lord drives out all fear. It's in his name. The fear, the reverence of the Lord, the love, the trust, the faith in the Lord, it drives out all fears. See, ours is the God of salvation. Ours is the God who sends his angels to the front of us and behind us and all around us. Ours is the God who overtakes everything that's weighing us down and gives us his heavy, weightless glory. And so we fear, we revere him. We Our Yahweh drives out all our fears. I wonder, can you, can you believe that? Like, can you believe that there's absolutely nothing you can do to earn or attain this salvation? Can you believe that? I mean, I, I know it's really hard for us Western capitalistic people to believe that we can receive something without giving some sort of payment back. I mean, I was in middle school when I learned what the phrase meant, there's no such thing as a free lunch. But our God says, yeah, there is because I'm the feast. And the son says, I'm the lamb that you get to feast off of and it's paid in full. You see, as other belief systems and other religions say if you want God's favor and salvation, you got to work, as other belief systems and deities and, and the belief in governments, as they say you got to do and you got to pay and you got to pray this many times, and as they say you can't make God angry by eating this or doing that because if you do, then you're going to lose God's good graces over you. Our Jesus listen to what Pastor Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones has to say. He says, salvation for a Christian is a decisive change in status where you cross from death to life where you are under condemnation no more. It's a decisive change in status. Another pastor, Bobby Pruitt, would say, and I have the quote there for you, if you want to take a snapshot of it, I'm just going to paraphrase it here. He says, what makes Christianity different is the moment we start to walk with God, we have complete access to the throne of grace, the gift of eternal life with God. It's already yours. Y'all, it's already yours at the moment that you start walking with God. See, it's in this glorious truth that for the Christian, we now live our life in response to this incredible gift that we already have. And so we live our life in gratitude and in service for this overwhelming gift. Our life is a response to that. Can you believe this? I wonder, do you know that God? Do you know this God? Can you have enough faith to believe in this kind of love? And maybe your answer is, I don't know. I don't know if I can have enough faith to believe in that. You got to know that in this Exodus narrative, surely there were Israelites um, who couldn't believe what their eyes were seeing. I mean, they couldn't believe that the sea was actually parting in front of them, and so surely they probably waited until others passed through. That would have been me. I would have been like, let me see like a couple hundred people go through first, make sure this thing is real. And then there was probably others that were just full of faith and they were like, yeah, let's go. Woo, this is super cool. Like, Let's do this thing. But the narrator says in verse 21 and 22 that the waters divided and the Israelites went through the sea onto dry ground with a wall of water to their left and to their right. The narrator says all of them, those with bold faith and those with hesitant faith, they were all saved by God. You see, it's not the quality of faith that saves us. It's the object of our faith. It's the God who fights for us. Friends, it's not the quality, it's not even the quantity of our faith. It's the God who fights for us. I wonder, are you new to the faith, or or maybe are you coming back faith, or or maybe you've been in the faith for a while, but but now you really want to start uh, taking ownership and exploring your faith in a deeper way. Do you maybe feel like you don't have the same faith as the person sitting to your left or to your right? Listen, you already have it. You have been saved through God's decisive act of rescue for you through the Son, Jesus. Can you believe that? Can you believe that no matter what you've done, no matter what you're doing, or no matter what you will do, you are saved, past tense. You are saved. You see, just like a good parent wants to protect and rescue their child, even more so does our Heavenly Father, and so He does. He does it. The God of salvation He continues to rescue you and me and us. and So don't fear because God is with us. I, I think this is the heart of Exodus chapter 14. I think this is the heart of God, not to fear because he is always with us. So what do we need rescue from? We need rescue from all the heavy enslavements of the world, but how do we escape it? It's God who does the saving and who gets the glory. It's God who who gets the glory. It's for our benefit, but it's for his glory most importantly. What a beautiful truth. What a beautiful truth that's revealed here in the journey of the ancient Israelites. That the fear of the Lord... It drives out all fears. Amen. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your incredible truth. God, thank you for always being there for us. God, I pray that would you forgive me and would you forgive us when in the journey of time, with a God that is so far outside of time, but in our journey of time for losing trust in you and losing faith in you. But God, thank you for all the Moseses in our life. God, thank you for the church. Thank you for our small groups. Thank you for our our family. God, thank you for those who continue to point us to you and remind us of your promises. God, I pray that we would have ears to hear your truth, God, that our heart would soften to who you are and that we would truly believe how much you love us and how much you are for us. God, I pray for those of us who are in the throes of life right now with worry and anxiety. Lord, I pray that right now as we are here in your presence, God, would they start feeling the weightlessness of your glory over them, God. Would they start feeling feeling you remove all the worry and that heavy weight, even if it's just a little bit, God? And Lord, as we journey together and as we journey with you, would we more and more experience the weightlessness of your glory? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for joining us on the Trinity Podcast. We hope this week's message encouraged you to consider the claims of Jesus in a new way, and we would love to have you join us for worship on the weekend. To find a location near you, visit www.tlc4u.org.